<laughs> well, good afternoon. Welcome to Soul City Church. It sounds like there's some good awkward moments or seasons of your life. We're going to get to that in just a moment, but I just want to say welcome. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and I'm really excited for us to kick off this series. I, I, I think if you're anything like me, I need to hear uh, what we're about to hear about how we begin again. And so for the next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. How do we have this new life in God? The way we kind of do the teaching around here, preaching around here at Soul City Church is we kind of do it in chunks. So we talk about something for a couple weeks or a month or until I run out of stuff to say, and then we start a new teaching series. And so that's what today is. You're here on the ground floor, first week of our Begin Again series, where we're going to look at something that's talked about a lot in the Bible and people talk about it a lot in church, but maybe we don't fully understand what it means. We're going to talk about what new life in God looks like, how you can have a new life with him, what that looks like, and how you can actually begin to live that new life today, how you can actually begin again wherever you're at. And that's the great news about the next couple of weeks. No matter where you're at in your journey with God, you may have been at this thing for a long time, or you may just be investigating. I think this is great stuff for you to hear about, about how you can have new life no matter where you're at with God. And today we're going to look at something that is central to kind of the Christian faith and what I believe sets uh, God apart from every other major faith system or religious belief. It's this idea of grace, that God does something for us that we could never, ever do for ourselves. And so I'm excited for us to look at how we begin again through grace today. Now, you, Mallory asked the question a little bit ago about an awkward moment or season in your life. I'd like to believe that there were none in my life. But upon reviewing the evidence, it is clear to me from some family photos, there were many awkward seasons and moments of my life. Now, in eighth grade, I thought I had it going on. I thought I had it dialed in. I thought I knew exactly what was up. But my brother sent me the Easter family photo from when I was in eighth grade not too long ago. And I want to show you a picture of me and my brother, Justin, from eighth grade. I'm the one in the pink. Wait a second. Everything is pink in this picture. Even the backdrop at Olin Mills, they kind of put a pink hue to it. So that's me on the right, actually. This is eighth grade. I'm rocking not only a pink sweater, not only a pink shirt, but a bolo tie as well, because that's what's up. And uh, I want to zoom in, if we can, on that hair for a moment. You just need to sit with that. I didn't know someone could have potholes in their hair, but clearly I had a lot going on, and that's with no product. That's before I even knew about product. And so that was me in eighth grade. And I didn't know it at the time, but man, there were some fashion choices. There were some decisions I made that I wish I could begin again on. I wish I could have a do-over on. In fact, I bet all of us have those, not you know, just pictures or moments in our life. I bet you there's times in your life, have you, have you, have you ever said something that you really wish you wouldn't have? Maybe you said something, even as you're saying it, there's someone in the back of your mouth going, no, like trying to grab the words from coming out, but it's too late, it's out there. Do you ever wish you had maybe one of these, a begin again button, where after you say something awkward, you could just go, yeah, let's do over from the top, please. I'm not going to ask you if you're pregnant or not. So like, you know, no, that's, I've never done that, but I'm just like this, this would be really handy for those awkward moments, wouldn't it? Think about even maybe not just a moment, but maybe there's a, a, like, go back, think about like your, your job or your career or lack thereof. Like, do you wish that there was maybe a, a begin again button for that where you could go, you know what, man, if I, if I knew at that stage early on in my career, if I knew this about myself then, that could have totally changed the, the career path I went down. My brother, who you saw in that picture, uh, would actually, his major in college was industrial psychology. That means he does counseling and therapy to buildings. I don't think he even knew what it meant. And he hasn't done a thing about it since he got his degree. He would tell you that. 
Do you wish there were maybe some parts of your career? You wish maybe there was an interview you could go back and begin again? Maybe a job you, you wish you wouldn't have lost, you know, if only. you have any of those from your life, kind of begin again moments? Maybe in, in relationships, maybe you have some. Maybe there's some relationships you wish you could begin again on. Play, play, you know, moments that you wish you wouldn't have done what you did or said what you said. Allowed the relationship to drift like it did. Maybe there's, maybe there's someone in your life you wish you'd never met. And you wish you could begin again and go back to the moment before you met him and do it all over again. I, if we had one of these, it would change our life, wouldn't it? What about, with, what about with your relationship with God? Do you have any begin again moments you wish you could have with him? Maybe choices you made or things from your past that you don't talk about? Do you thought maybe you could even keep hidden from God as long as you keep managing everything on the surface long enough? You got any of those moments from your story? Seasons of your life maybe where you walked away from God or where, where you were just you know, flat out angry at God and you just gave it all up and quit on him or maybe paths that you went down and choices and things that were habits became addictions. You wish you, wish you had to begin again button with God. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to look at exactly what this is as God would define it and describe it. Not something that we can go back and pretend like it never happened, but something that God does to redeem everything that's happened in our life and that he gives us as a gift moving forward in our life and in our relationship with him. We're going to look at something that I think is very important and a, and a question that is fundamental, I think, to uh, us understanding what it means to have a relationship with God and what it means to get at the heart of what we're going to be looking at from the Bible today, this concept of grace. And basically, it boils down to a question. Of all the things that you've done that you wish you could undo, those things are already out there. You've made those decisions. You've made those choices. You've said those things. Those relationships have happened the way that they have. So the question you have to face is, in light of the fact that you can't go back in time and do it over again, what do you do about the things in your life that you can do nothing about. I just want you to think about that for a second. What do you do about the things that you can't do anything about? Think about it. Things in your past. You can't go back and undo that, can you? Can't go back in time. Can't go back and hit the begin again button. There are things that have happened in relationships in your life, things that have happened in your career or lack thereof, that is out of you. They are out of your control. So the question that you have to wrestle with and that I have to wrestle with, of all the things that we think we can control in our life, what do we do with the things that we can't do anything about? Things that we've done, maybe it's things that were done to you, the way that you were treated, a relationship that you had in the past, something about your family. What do you do about the things that you can't do anything about? What I want us to look at is what God does about all the things in our life that we can't do anything about, all the things that we wish we could change, but by our own strength and power, we can't. We're going to look at what God does and what he says into and over those parts of your life. And we're going to look at one passage of scripture that speaks right to the heart of this. It's found in the book of Ephesians chapter two. So if you brought a Bible with you, fantastic. Would you grab it and open it up now? If not, I want you to grab one of these blue Bibles. I would love for everyone to kind of pull one out and grab a pen too. We're going to be circling some stuff. So if you don't have a Bible, you can grab the blue Bible and turn to page 814. Just so you know, it's on page 814 in the blue Bible. Grab a pen. We're going to be circling some things, taking some notes. And what we're going to look at really here is this idea of grace and how it works in our life and what God does for us, for all the things that we can't undo for all the things that we can't do anything about on our own. Let me give you some context to where we're coming to in the book of Ephesians chapter two. Now this is, wasn't written like a book. It was written as a letter actually to a church. 
almost 2,000 years ago. It was written by a very famous Christian leader, church leader named Paul, wrote about half of the New Testament, very influential Christian leader. Now, up to his kind of moment with Jesus, Paul actually was a professional, like, religious person. I mean, he, he really did everything right. And he did it to the, literally, to the letter of the law. And anytime he didn't do it right, he did all kinds of things to make up for the things that he did wrong. Pa Paul didn't need a begin again button. He just did it himself. And he made sure that he didn't make any mistakes. And he, he was an example to a ton of people who were pursuing religion as a way of life. He was a hero to them. But then he meets Jesus. And as we say around here all the time, Jesus wrecked his life, literally turned his life upside down. And Paul actually got saved from religion and entered into a relationship with Jesus. This guy who thought it was all on him to do it all right finally meets the one who does for him what he could not do for himself. And so this is Paul writing to a, a young church, writing to you, speaking to you, God speaking through him this morning about this idea of grace. So let's look at what it says in Ephesians 2. We'll start in verse 4. Hey, and every now and then I'm going to pause, and when I do, can you speak that word back to me? What that does, it helps you engage with the text, and it also keeps you from falling asleep this afternoon. So let's do that together. If we would. Ephesians 2, 4, when I pause, you speak up. It says this, Paul writes, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in what? Mercy. Now, this is really important. I want you to circle that word. God who is rich in mercy. And before we go on, you can obviously see the verse there, but I want you just to pause for a second and think about what is your view of God? What is the view of God that you grew up with? What do you think about, what do you think God thinks about you? Pa Paul, Paul's God, the God of religion, is rooted ultimately in fear. I, I'm not good enough for God, or God's mad at me, <laughs> or to keep God off my back, I have to kind of do these things. That was Paul's God before he met Jesus. But now look what he says. No, 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 no. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in our transgressions. That word transgressions, there's another way of saying the word sin, another way of saying all of our own dead end selfish decisions that never really lead to life like we thought they would. Paul says, in the midst of our dying to ourselves, like in the midst of our sin, dying from all of our dead end decisions, God actually shows us his love and his mercy. And he does it this way, through this thing called grace. He made us alive with Christ even when we are dead in our transgressions. Then Paul goes on to write these very important words. It is by what? Grace. grace. It's not by what you do. It's by what he's done for you. It's not by how many times you say the right prayers at the right time of day. It's not by how earnest you are. It's not by how hard you try. It's not by how good you try and live your life or at least pretend like you're living your life. Paul says that's not what it's about. It's not about what you do. It's about what God has done for you. Because of his great love, through his kindness, he offers you this gift of grace that finds you even when you are at the end of yourself. Verse six, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So Paul is using the metaphor of what we just celebrated at Easter two weeks ago. You know, the story of Easter is about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul is using that imagery to say, yeah, you too were dead 
And in relationship with God, because of his love and because of his kindness, he literally not only raises you to life, but raises you up to an elevated status. He seats you next to Jesus in heaven, the one for whom all of heaven sings and celebrates. You get to sit right next to him in heaven. Paul's saying your status is elevated in relationship with Jesus. You are no longer not only dead, you are no longer just raised to life. You are raised up and given a place in him. And he goes on to say, that's really not all. He does this so that in order in the coming ages, he might show the, what's the word? The incomparable riches of his what? Grace. grace. Look at that phrase, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you get what Paul is saying here? The one who devoted his life out of fear to God is saying, no, 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 it is God's love, it is his mercy, it is his kindness that has broken me. And it is his grace that has raised me to life and given me new status with him, given me new life in him. It's not what I did, I spent my whole life doing it. It's what he did for me. It's what he did about all the things I could do, nothing about on my own. And then Paul goes on to write this. You might want to put a little star or underline or draw a happy face or do whatever you want to do next to this verse because it's really important. And this is one of those verses that you, if you're kind of, kind of figure out what it means to have a relationship with God or maybe new in a relationship with God, this is one of those verses that you commit to memory. And as the Bible says, you hide this in your heart because this carries you through life. Paul writes these words, very fundamental words, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by what? grace that you have been saved through what? Faith. That's very important. You underline that circle that. It is by grace, that's what God does for you, that you are saved through. Now, Paul actually kind of turns the spotlight on us and says, here's something that you actually can do through faith. That's what you do. Faith is basically taking what you believe and putting it into action. Faith is taking what I believe and living in that direction. Paul says, this is, this is really what it all comes down to. It's by grace that you are saved through faith, through you believing and accepting and then living in the direction of grace. Now, Paul goes on to make a very important point. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Have you ever noticed when you walk into the auditorium, maybe you were here for the anniversary weekend, have you seen our Only God art install right outside these doors? A bunch of stones and it spells out the words, Only God. On each of those stones is stories from this last year of only God moments. We use that phrase a lot around here at Soul City Church. We say only God. Do you know why I have to say only God on a regular basis? Because if I don't say only God and give him the credit, guess who's going to take the credit for these things around here? Me. Me. I'm going to say, oh man, isn't that awesome? Did you see what an awesome sermon I did? Did you see how many people's lives were changed by what I did? Only Jarrett. You know, it's only, it's only a matter of time. Paul says, look, this is what's so important. God does it for you, and here's what you do. You say, it's enough. Grace is enough. By faith, I believe and now live in the direction of grace. It's not from yourselves. All the religion in the world cannot outdo what God has done through grace. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Paul spent most of his life boasting about how religious he was. And then his life gets turned upside down by Jesus. And he says, no, 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 it's all a gift. It's a gift from God. He extends his love to me, his kindness to me through this thing called grace. That's what he does for me. 
What do you do about all the things that you can't do anything about? The answer is simple, nothing. There's nothing you can do because God has already done it for you. He's already done it for you through Jesus. He has already actually made a way. What grace is, is grace is what God does for all that I've done. You just think about your life right now and all the things that you've done, all the things you wish you could undo, all the things you've tried really hard to, you know, kind of impress God and it doesn't seem, it only leaves you more exhausted. Grace is what God does for all that I have done. See, the reality of our world is, the Bible teaches and speaks to this, is that our lives are actually, in a very real way, separated from God by sin. Maybe you felt that separation in your life. We are at a distance from God. Sin has come in and shattered our story. It's broken our communion, our relationship with God. And so we're at a distance from God. Then what ends up happening is you and I come onto the scene and we add our own sin into the chasm. We add our own. I add my own selfishness, my own sin, my own dead end, my transgressions. I continue to add those to the cabin that furthers the distance between me and God. I contribute enough from myself to keep me at a distance from a holy and pure and loving God. My sin separates me from God. Then I have a moment, and maybe you've had one too, of clarity where you go, oh my goodness, what have I done? I've broken the heart of God. I've lived at a distance from God. And so then you make a choice. You have two very real choices. You can lean into what God has done for you or or you can try and do it on your own. And here's what I found in my life. Every time I try and outdo all the things I wish I hadn't done, do you know what I end up doing? Making the chasm even greater. When I try and outdo all the things that I wish I hadn't done, that I wish I could undo, that I wish I could begin again with, when I try by my own strength to somehow make it up to God, earn my way back into God, help him to forget what I've done. I only end up furthering the chasm between me and God. This is where grace steps in and says, no, 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 I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. I will bridge the gap. Jesus says, my, my death and resurrection is enough to do it. That's what God says, that's what I do. That's what grace does, is it bridges the gap between you and God. It makes a relationship with him possible. That's what grace does. Grace is what, what covers and forgives every sin. And I want you just to hear that. Every sin. No, every sin. Grace is what covers and forgives every sin, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how, listen, long ago, you've been carrying it your whole life. No matter how recent, last night, this morning, grace, that's what grace does. It covers and forgives every sin. Now, look, maybe, maybe you can relate. You know, maybe you walked in here today saying, you know, I may, I may not be good at a lot of things, but there's one thing I'm good at, and it is sinning. I am very, very good. I am varsity level when it comes to sin. I'm going pro next year when it comes to sin. Because, you know, if you're being honest with yourself, you, yep, 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 that's me. I fall short. I can't do it on my own. I continue to do things I wish I could undo. That's me. You know what grace does? Grace covers every single one of your sins and offers you not only forgiveness, but freedom. That's what grace does. Do you know what grace does? Grace steps in and carries you through 
your darkest and most difficult hours. Grace is what carries you when you are at the end of your rope in your darkest and most difficult hours. Grace carries you. It becomes your strength when someone that you love dies. Grace is what gives you the strength to make it through one more day when a dream you have dies. Grace carries you through when someone you love walks out on you. Grace is the strength that helps you make it through. When one more person gets married and it's not you, or one more couple is able to start a family, but not you, grace is the only thing that can actually carry you through. When your loneliness feels overwhelming, grace is the strength that sits with you, even in your darkest and most difficult hours. That's what grace does. Is there anything you can do that can outdo that? Is there anything that you can do that can outdo what grace does? Grace has the power to not only forgive you, but grace actually has the power to help you forgive others. It's so funny how often I forget that there's two parts of that equation. I love the fact that God forgives me. I'm not always sure he wants me to forgive everyone else. I convince myself that it's good enough for me, but it's not good enough for them. Grace says, no, I, I actually have the power. This is what grace does. I not only forgive you, I give you the courage to forgive others. Far be it for me to think that grace is enough for me, but not enough for her are not enough for him. This is what grace does. It gives you the courage to fight for a relationship that may be up against the ropes. Grace is the thread that can bind a relationship back together when it's on its last thread. That's grace. That's what grace does. Listen, is there anything you can do that can outdo what grace does? anything by your own strength or power that can outdo what God has offered to you through grace. This is what grace does. Do you know what is so powerful and what the Bible teaches that grace does is that grace actually has the power to go into your past and not only forgive, but heal and restore the parts of your story you'd rather ignore. I mean, grace is retroactive. Grace goes back to those parts of your story, the broken parts the wasted years, the one night stands. Grace says, I know you've tried to move on by your own strength, but you have been carrying this your whole life. You have been so weighed down by the mistakes, the sins of your past, that your future is being hijacked in this present moment. Grace says, I I can go in, God says, I can go in and I can forgive things from 10, 15, 20 years ago and I can heal it. Can you do anything that can outdo what grace does for your past? This is what grace does again and again and again. And what I've found in my life is that, uh, you know, for me, so, okay, so I began a relationship with God many years ago. I was seven years, I was seven years old, many, many, many years ago. And it was, a really, it was a really sweet moment when I began to follow Jesus. 
It was, it was in my bedroom. It was at night. And this, is really, this really happened. I got down on the side of my bed. I kneeled down as a little seven-year-old on the side of my bed and prayed a little prayer that God would, you know, let me have a relationship with him. My mom kind of heard, and so she walked in and was there. It was a, like Norman Rockwell actually was in the corner painting this moment. And then it's for sale in Christian bookstores right now to this day. Like It was such a sweet and perfect little moment. And so what I thought, for me, what grace was, it was that moment back then. Grace is for way back then. I needed grace then. That's what I needed way back then. But do you know what I found in my life? Grace is not just for way back then, but grace is the way by which I live. I need grace just as much today as that little seven-year-old on the side of his bed did. In fact, the more I get to know myself, I feel like I need more grace today than I did back then. Maybe you can relate. Grace is not just a way back when decision. Grace is the way by which you and I live, where we say that there are plenty of things in our lives that we cannot do on our own and by ourselves, but God has already stepped in and said, I will do for you what you could never do. I will give you the gift of my grace. And to prove to you how much I need grace, how much I need it and becoming more aware of what a way of life it is for me. I thought instead of kind of reading some more of the text or, or, or telling you some stories about someone else's life, I could maybe just give you a few highlights from this last week from my life to let you know how much I need grace. And my hope over this time is that you would get a glimpse of how good God's grace is and that you would be greatly encouraged about your life when you see how messed up I am. So that's my hope for you is that you'd get it. You'd get it. And so I just want to just a few quick moments this last week where I'm aware of how much I need God's grace. Just quickly, last Sunday. Okay, so uh, I, I love Sundays. I love this time. I, I love, our staff says that Sunday is our joy. Sunday is our joy. It's a lot of work. It's our joy. We love what God does in this church on Sundays. Certainly not the only day of the week that God works, but we love the special thing God does on Sunday. And many of you come, if you serve around here, you come twice maybe on Sunday, or maybe you come once on Sunday. We go to all four. I'm here all four. And I love it. I love it. I'm exhausted at the end of the day. As you can imagine, exhausted at the end of the day. And so the moment I most need grace is when everything's done, my kind of notes are all packed up and I head home. I need God's grace to say to me in that moment, well done, Jared, great job. Be at rest, be at peace. I don't love you anymore because today went awesome. I don't love you any less if you blew this, that, or the other. That's when I most need grace. Last Sunday night, I really, you know, I just needed grace like I do every Sunday night. It was a great moment for me to rest in God's love and just, uh, just rest in his grace. Part of the, one of my worship practices is wearing sweatpants. And I was really looking forward to wearing sweatpants and just chilling out at the end of the day, being with God. I needed his grace in that moment. You know what I chose instead? Escape. I got home and I was, you know, I was exhausted. And instead of letting God, by his grace, speak into those places of good, healthy exhaustion, I turned on the TV and I caught up on a couple shows because that's my other job, apparently. I have to keep up with TV shows. And so I spent about an hour and a half, two hours or so. Nothing wrong with watching shows like that. That's not what I needed in that moment, though. I needed grace. I chose escape. I needed God's grace to say, it's okay, Jared. <laughs> you can rest. Great job. I love you. Instead, I said, no, God, I, got, I, got, I know what I need. I got this. These shows and a buffalo chicken wrap, and I'm good. I don't, I don't need anything else. 
And my soul went into Monday longing for what God offered to me on Sunday. So guess what happens? Monday comes and I get into the office and, you know, new week, excited about a new week. And I'm, I'm looking through my email and I'm looking at my schedule and I'm like, oh my gosh, how is this going to happen this week? I said to Lizzie, I'm like, hey, I think we have a real problem with my inbox. Like, I'm praying that Jesus comes back before the end of today because there's a lot of unanswered emails and this will just make it a lot easier if he comes back because I feel so behind and I feel so overwhelmed. Have you ever felt that way on a Monday? You just kind of look ahead at your week and instead of excitement, you just feel totally overwhelmed. It's like you have a pre-existing condition of exhaustion <laughs> and your week hasn't even started yet. That's where I was at on Monday. God offered me something freely and fully on Sunday. I chose my own way. And on Monday, I felt my soul aching and longing for it. I felt overwhelmed and exhausted. Fast forward a couple days. On Wednesday, I got a phone call from someone who uh, I really care about. And uh, it just really hurt me in a very real way. It's not a phone call I was wanting, obviously, or expecting. It just really hurt. I mean, just really hurt me out of the blue. And so I, you know, I kind of took that and, man, it was a real choice for me in a moment there because I was really hurt and then I was frustrated and then I was like, you know what, how could they do this to me? Don't they know I have to preach a sermon on grace? Like how, <laughs> how can they do this to me? And I knew in that moment that God was inviting me to do what he'd already invited me to do when I entered into a relationship with him. It's the same invitation you have to let grace be enough for me and for them that I had a real choice in that moment. I could go by my own strength. I could try and, you know, prove why I was right and they were wrong and why they're bad and I'm good. I've exhausted a lot of hours of my life trying to do that. But I knew the invitation for me was to let grace be big enough for them and to love and forgive them. About three days later or so, I did. It took me some time to get there, but I got there because I know that that's the place that God is already offered me grace, forgiveness. Yesterday, I got to experience the goodness of God's grace. Our daughter, Gigi, turns six tomorrow, but she has stretched her birthday into a week-long celebration. <laughs> and so yesterday, we were celebrating her, and we went to a little butterfly uh, exhibit in Lincoln Park. It's so great, so cute. And there wasn't a lot of people there, and so she's there, her brother's there, her little cousins are there, and just running around squealing, just running around squealing over butterflies, flying all over them. It was such a beautiful moment, and it caught me. It caught me, and I just said, oh God, you're so good. This is, I, I'm so grateful, and I became aware of God's grace over our family and the goodness of God and how my gratitude towards him diminishes my entitlement for myself. God, this is a gift. This little girl, these kids, my wife, it's a gift. And God, this is evidence of your grace. You did for me what I could never do for myself, God. And I'm so grateful for you. I wonder where it is that you most need God's grace right now. Where is it in your life if you were to rewind back this past week or if you were to look ahead at this next week, where would you say, man, I, I get it. I cannot do it on my own. Or I've been trying to undo what I've done and I'm exhausted from doing so. I need God's grace. I need it in my life. I need it today. I need it this week.
And there's a very real question that comes to us in light of what God has done for us that I think every one of us, if we're sincere and serious about understanding what it means to have a relationship with God, we have to ask at some point, in light of what we've heard here today, in light of what God has already been doing and offering you in your life, and the question is simply this, what what do you do about what God has done for you? What do you do about what God has already done for you through his grace? Have you ever thought about that before? What is your response to a God who has already initiated his love, his kindness, his mercy, his grace? What do you do about a God who says, I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself? How do you respond? Paul says, here's how. You say, by faith, I believe and I'm going to live into the direction of grace. I I, I believe that your grace, God, is actually enough. There's nothing that I can do that can outdo what grace does for me. And so by faith, I'm not only going to believe and nod my head that that's a true thing, I'm going to live my life as though it's the only thing that there's a God who loves me and has already extended his love and mercy to me through his son, Jesus. That's at the heart and the root of grace. And that by him and what he has done, no matter how far I've gone, no matter what I've done, I can actually begin again with him. I can begin again with him today. What do you do about all that God has done for you you respond and say, it's enough. Your grace is enough. It's enough. I'm, it's enough for me. It covers me. It literally covers me. And so what we want to do over the next moment or so is give you an opportunity to kind of jumpstart and kickstart your week, to have an experience with God's grace that will carry you through to a greater awareness and dependency on God's grace throughout the course of this week, those moments where you feel like you have to power up and do it by your own strength, where you have to kind of feel like you have to outdo the bad things that you've done, that you would remember this moment right now and it would compel you to depend on God's grace even more. So for the next few moments, what I would love to do as your pastor is pray over you. I'd love to pray over you and I'm gonna pray in three very specific ways. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand up for one of these or all of these three areas of prayer. I'm telling you that now so that you can fight the internal resistance that you're going to have to stay seated in your seat. This is me stalling to let you know that you're going to be standing in a moment. Three areas that I'm going to pray for you. And if it's you, I'm going to ask you just to stand up in a moment when we do. The first is if there is anything in your past that you need grace for, things that you have been dragging into this present moment that are keeping you from your future with God, is there any part of your story in your past that you have convinced yourself is greater than grace? Any sin, any wound, anything that you've done to someone else or someone else has done to you that you've convinced yourself that God cannot reach with his grace? In a moment, I'm going to have you stand if you need grace for parts of your past and your story that you finally will accept his grace as enough to cover it once and for all. The circumstances may not change, but your soul certainly can by God's grace. And then I'm going to ask if anyone has any relationships in their life that they need to extend grace to. 
anyone in your life, family, coworker, spouse, they may even be sitting here with you, that you know you need to offer what has been offered to you. You spent your time building a case and God is inviting you to extend grace. So if there's anyone in your life that you know their name is already stirring in your soul that you know you need to offer grace to in a moment, I'm gonna have you stand and I'm gonna pray for that. And then lastly, I'm gonna have anyone who needs grace as the strength to carry you through this week. Maybe you already know some of the things coming up in your week. You're looking ahead already and you're already overwhelmed or exhausted. And if you need God's grace to be the strength that carries you through, then I'm gonna ask you at that point to stand up. I'm gonna pray for you. So you can stand up for one, you can stand up for all, you can stand up for none if you want. But what I'd love to do is if there's anyone who actually wants God to pour out, to have prayed for any part of your past, to pour out God's grace over your past, I want you to stand up right now and just let me pray for you. You stand up right where you're at. You know the details, you know the specifics. I don't, God does, he cares. That part of your past does not exclude you from God's grace. This is a moment for you to remember that it can be forgiven by him once and for all. And there's nothing you can do to outdo God's grace for you. So let me pray for you right now. As your pastor, God, I pray, I thank you first and foremost that grace is not bound by time and space because it's a gift from you, God. It transcends all of our limitations and all of our expectations. And God, I pray that even right now there would be a peace coming over people's hearts and their stories. A freedom coming, God, where they've been bound up in chains to regret, to fear, to wounds that you have been ready to heal all these years. God, I know my heart is heavy because I know the parts even from my past that I wish weren't so. And instead of exhausting myself trying to pretend like they don't exist or that I can make up for them on my own, God, I pray that we today would choose your grace. They would allow it to literally cover us, cover every season of our life, every dark hour of our life, every broken part of our story. And God, would you not only heal, but would you restore? Would you make new our past with you? We pray this by the name and grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat if you want. And if you want to receive prayer for grace for someone else in your life, maybe there's someone in your life that you need to offer grace to. Instead of making your case for one more week, you're going to ask God to help you offer grace to them. So if there's anyone in your life relationally that you know you need to offer grace to, would you stand up right now and just let me pray for you? Maybe what you need to do is just open up your hands. You've been so clenched-fisted so long at them in your heart. You just need to open up your hands right now and say, God, whatever you want, whatever you will, I'm ready to obey. So God, I pray for every single relationship that is represented right here. And God, I, even as I'm praying, I pray that you'd give them the courage to even say the name of that person or those people, God, that have either deeply hurt us, hurt us or wounded us or if we feel like they've betrayed us. Jesus, we thank you that you already know not only what that feels like, you experienced it yourself firsthand. You know, God, what it's like to be betrayed, to be rejected, to be abused. And yet, Jesus, you, even from the cross, offered grace, 
offer forgiveness to those who are persecuting you. Would you help us do the same? Would you help break down our small notion that grace is good enough for us but not for them? Would you give us the courage this week to move a step in the direction of grace? Maybe it's praying for this person and just praying blessing. Not that you'd show them how wrong they are, but we pray blessing on their life. We pray for their life. Maybe it means a phone call today. Maybe it means a lunch that happens this week where we offer grace and offer forgiveness and offer love to someone who's either difficult to love or someone who has deeply wounded us. It is only your grace that can do that. And so we're asking for your grace for those that are in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat if you want. And last, what I'd love to pray over you for is grace to carry you through this week. First, let me just say, no, those of you who stayed for all three, I am with you. I love that you just said, yep, I need grace for all of it and then some. Right on. I'm with you on that one. And if you need grace to carry you through this week, you're looking at what's ahead, all that you have to get done, all that's expected of you, would you stand up and just let me pray for you right now? That grace would be your strength. That grace would be what you go to first. That grace would be what you come back to when you've maybe failed or fumbled. If you need grace to make it through this week and you're willing to admit it, would you stand up right now and let me pray for you? God, I know this feeling and I pray uh, for everyone standing right now that we would be able to accept today your grace for this week. Thank you that your uh, mercy is new for us every morning. And so God, I pray even this moment of us declaring we cannot do it by ourselves on our own any longer. I pray that this would be a reminder to us to start each of our days to say, God, I don't know how I can do it on my own strength today. So I'm choosing you. And for all the places that we mess up or miss the mark throughout the day that we'd come back to you at the end of the day and say, God, by your grace, would you help me give grace to myself? Would you help carry me through one more day? God, we need your grace to carry us through all of the intensity and expectations, all of the temptation, all of our internal resistance towards you. We need your grace to guide us, to lead us, and to protect us this week. So God, I pray your grace over every single person standing right now, that it would be our source of strength this week. Thank you for what you do for all the things that we can do nothing about. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up, if you would, right now. And we're going to move into a time of responding to God's grace, to declare in song that it's enough. It is enough. By faith, we are going to not only live into, but sing out the reality of God's grace, that it literally covers every part of my past, every relationship I have, every moment this week, it is enough and it covers me. So if you have by any ounce experienced the goodness of God's grace this afternoon, then I want to encourage you to sing and declare it to him right now.